What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael, and we're going to be going over a variety of things. We're going to talk about the uh, latest in CSU athletics. We've got some scheduling news for CSU football. Going to dive into some all-conference stuff for CSU softball. CSU track and field is going to be defending their title in the outdoor championships. So just a ton to talk about. And then I'm also going to talk about some of the coolest college football players of all time. Before I get into that, sure you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia are not just your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but really what makes them different is Mike is a certified financial planner who looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia will make the process as simple and smooth as possible. They're a small family-owned company, so you're always going to feel like a person, not a number. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com, or you can give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. Or one last time, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, 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 cool. Um, let's just jump right into it and, and talk about the, the latest news for CSU football, who announced that they will be hosting Northern Colorado in 2025. That will be September 13th, 2025. Um, the Rams were already scheduled to host UNC in 2024. Obviously, they were supposed to host them in 2020. That did not happen due to COVID-19. I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, I think it's it's a chance to elevate college football in northern Colorado as a whole. I mean, as it points out in the press release, you know, despite being, you know, about 30 miles apart, they've only played in consecutive games a handful of times. They did it from 1930 to 1932. Since 1945, they've only played five times, most recently in 2016. And that uh, that 2016 game obviously stands out because that was Colin Hill's first start. And that was kind of the, the moment everyone was like, oh man, this kid can be special. And I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that game. It was a fun day. It was warm outside, Rams in the Ag, in the ag Day orange out uniforms. Just a, just a great day overall, but... Like I said, I mean, I, I think this is a really smart scheduling option for both of these programs. Ultimately, you know, I'd rather play UNC every single year than a team like South Dakota State or, you know, Middle Tennessee, who they'll play in 2022. And I get it. I mean, you want to switch it up for variety's sake. But ultimately, I think it's just good for, for college football in the state. And I think if you're both of these programs, if you have a situation where you can kind of help each other out. I, I just don't see why you wouldn't do it. Obviously, you know, if Ed McCaffrey gets that program rolling and, and I expect him to have more success than uh, Ernest Collins did, and, and that's no disrespect to him. It's just a tough job. You do, you just don't have the resources at Northern Colorado. Their facilities are not good. They don't have the funding. I mean, of all the schools on their conference, UNC is unfortunately one of the, probably one of the bottom gigs and I just think they probably would have been better staying Division Two, but that's a whole other conversation. But basically, you know, I think this is a good game because it gives a chance for UNC to get some exposure. It gives CSU what should be a winnable game on the slate. 
You don't have to travel far, so you don't have to spend money. There's just a lot of reasons that it makes a lot of sense for these schools to play each other. And, you know, obviously, if you lose, it's, it's going to be a not so great look. But that's really the case with anything. I mean, we've seen CSU host Illinois State and lose. We've seen CSU host North Dakota State and lose. And obviously, you know, losing to North Dakota State, there's really not a lot of shame in that. Uh, when it happened, you know, way back in um, 2012, like, obviously, everybody was kind of panicking because that was sort of the beginning of their run. And, and people didn't really view them the same way. But, you know, you should win this one. I'm... I'm kind of nervous about that South Dakota State game this fall. I'm not going to lie. The uh, the opener, South Dakota State in the FCS championship, just that offense, man, they're they're rolling. That's It's going to be a tough one. If CSU's not on their A game, that could be a pretty brutal way to open the season, and, and that's obviously not ideal considering you got to go to Toledo. That's going to be a really tough game. you got to go to Iowa. That's a tough game. And, you know, Vanderbilt, it's winnable for an SEC opponent, but that's obviously no gimme either, so you just... You can't be in a situation where you go 0-4 in non-conference play. You you absolutely can't. And I don't think CSU will. I'm just pointing out that, that this year's slate is deceptively tough. You know, the last thing that, that I want to say here as far as the scheduling front goes, you know, Joe Parker has taken quite a bit of heat over the years for a lot of his de- decisions. And, you know, some of them, I think the, the criticism is more than fair. You know, I, I do think he didn't handle the Larry Eustacey situation as well as he probably could have. I think there were, you know, a couple other instances that they they kind of dropped the ball on as well. But it's a tough position. It's There's just so much going on behind the scenes. You know, some of it is an instance of him being handcuffed by the administration. Um, I'll just be real. Like, Joyce McConnell does not impress me at all as far as what she's done since taking over as the university president. I don't believe that she's committed to athletics. Um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because Tony Frank made so much progress in that regard, but it is what it is. Anyways, you know, as far as Joe Parker goes, he deserves just so much credit for what he's been able to do from a scheduling front. He's really elevated the type of opponents that CSU plays on a year-to-year basis. I mean, the fact that he's been able to get some of these home-and-homes with SEC teams with Big 12 teams, it's really impressive. I mean, that's it's unprecedented in CSU football history. And so while, you know, it, it's okay to criticize him for some of that other stuff, if you're going to be critical, you also need to, you know, recognize the good that he's done. And he's really done a masterful job when it comes to scheduling. So, you know, that that's just my two cents on the situation. Again, I'm not saying that he he can't be criticized. Everybody should be criticized, you know, me included. Like, that's what this industry is about. You know, we're, we're not always going to be perfect. Coaches aren't always going to be perfect. Administrators aren't always going to be perfect. Media types aren't always going to be perfect. You know, when you, when you have a fan base, that's, that's, uh, that's the tough part about being in the public eye. Like it's, it's just, it's not a position for the week. So I just wanted to, you know, give him props where I thought they were due. Cause again, I just try and be as, as fair and balanced with this approach as I can. I think, you know, there's some things that he could have done better. But ultimately, I think he's done a pretty good job through some, you know, pretty difficult circumstances. I think just being realistic, it, it's been a tough spot to be in. When he extended Mike Bobo, it, it made a lot of sense to me at the time. I think there were a lot of people that thought the program was right on the verge of turning around. And, you know, we've seen how that situation plays out before where somebody is in a contract year at a, at a smaller school. They go 10 and 2 and all of a sudden he dips. Like, if it would have worked out, he would have looked really smart there. I think... He did a great job and, 
you know, rectifying the issue by bringing in Nico Medved, a perfect hire for the situation. Did they have to spend some money on a search firm? Probably not, but ultimately it never hurts to, you know, get outside information and kind of, you know, bounce your ideas off of other people. And then, you know, as far as the football thing, like, the Urban Meyer deal was was kind of weird to me, but I think that was as much to do with Joyce McConnell as it was to do with him. And again, I just, I think overall, pretty good job, despite some weird circumstances, like the pandemic, and then obviously the whole investigation into Steve Adazio, like that was just murky waters. That's not an easy position to be in, because as we all know, relationships are complicated, and I've gotten into that so many times. As you know, when I'm just talking about the the Bobo situation, his assistance, all of that, because it's it's never going to be a situation where we all see it through the same lens. Now, I will say, football needs to have more success. If football doesn't have more success over the next couple of years, that's what's going to define his legacy. Is that they kind of blew it post post on campus stadium? You know, they didn't capitalize on that momentum, and fair or not, that is all he'll be remembered for. That's just kind of how it works. You know, we'll just we'll have to see how it plays out. That that's really all it comes down to. But ultimately, when it comes to scheduling and some of the stuff he's done on the back end as far as securing the naming rights deal and things like that, just really, really phenomenal. And he deserves a lot of praise for it. All right, um, I'm gonna move on. That, that's about, you know, I think I've said my piece there. And I kind of want to talk about some of the coolest college football players of my lifetime and the, uh, the reason that this came up is that, unfortunately, Colt Brennan, the uh, legendary quarterback from the University of Hawaii, recently passed away in a, in a rehab facility. That gutted me, man. I'm not going to lie. That was, a, that was a tough one to read. I just, I really loved him. He, he's one of my favorite college football players of all time. The kind of dude that played with his heart on his sleeve, like a better true passer than Bradley Van Pelt, but... That same type of persona, the guy that played for, you know, a a non-power program and and just really elevated them so much. Like, and he played with just so much swagger, so much charisma, you know, like getting the island dyed on it into his hair with the with a blonde or the rainbow visor. I mean, the dude just dripped swag. Like, who amongst us didn't play NCAA football and, and design a creative player to look just like him? Or, you know, my buddy Michael Katz tweeted. He was the kind of guy you wanted to pop the video game in and see if you could replicate his stats. He was a walking highlight. Like, he put up video game numbers in real life. Just listen to some of these stats. In three years, he completed 70% of his passes for 14,193 yards, 9 yards at attempt, 131 touchdowns to only 42 interceptions, a career QBR of 167.6, Twice finished sixth in the Heisman voting, but never got the never got the the recognition he deserved. He's one of the perfect examples. I mean, obviously, you got to be committed to watch Hawaii. It just it's it's so tough with the with the time change now. I watch Hawaii all the time because I'm a Mountain West guy through and through. When Nick Rolovich was there, I loved them. I still think they're intriguing, even you know post Cole McDonald. But you know, it, Brennan, it was just an instance of a lot of those people on the East Coast, they weren't staying up to, to watch him. Yeah, he had the crazy numbers, but it was similar to when Christian McCaffrey was just doing in, insane things for Stanford, and the East Coast just couldn't care less. They, they just didn't pay attention. But for the, for the CFB diehards, the kind of people that 
you know, watch games from the first kickoff at 10 a.m. until the games end at like one in the morning. Brennan was must watch TV. You know, I remember being in, in late elementary school, you know, early middle school and just staying up late with my buddies watching watching his games and just being in awe, just being in amazed of, of how consistent he was. So to kind of honor him, I thought it would be, you know, a fun topic to just kind of talk about some of the, the coolest offensive college football players from my lifetime. I'll probably do some defensive players on, on another episode coming up. But uh, the last thing I want to say just on Colt Brendan before I, you know, kind of lighten the mood a little bit and transition into the, the fun topic is that just remember him at his highest moments. It's, it's really unfortunate that the way he went out, um, disease, addiction is just a, a really ugly disease. But he doesn't deserve to be remembered for his faults. We're all human and we all have our struggles. But what he accomplished was truly incredible. He's one of the, the best college football players of my lifetime. He's a guy who tried desperately for years to get his life together. And unfortunately, you know, his disease beat him. But I, I just, I choose to, to remember him for the glory and, and not for the way that he went out. And I hope that all of you do too. Rest in aloha, Colt. Thank you for being one of the greatest college football players of my lifetime. Thank you for being one of the, the players that truly played with passion and representing everything that college football is supposed to be about. Your skill, your athleticism, your talent, your passion. It will not soon be forgotten. Whew. Getting a little choked up, guys. Getting a little dusty in here. Um, let's lighten the mood. Let's, let's transition into the... the Coolest offensive college football players in my lifetime. Uh, but before we do that, just a quick word from our partners. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card from Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler. There will be no shortage of action and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt. You will be walking away with cash. Just pick one main event fighter that you think will win and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, if you bet $1 on select fighters and they win, you win 100 bucks. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if the MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, baseball, so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code DNVR when you sign up for your chance to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main cart fighter to win. Just place your bet, watch the fist fly this weekend. Again, make sure you, you use that code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 on select main cart fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out Solace Meds. That's right. We have partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations. One in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Solace has some banging deals this month. Here's a few to look forward to. 
For Cinco de Mayo, you can get buy three, get one free on the entire store, plus an additional 20% off when using the code DNVR20 at checkout. That is a killer deal. They got 20% off all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off Mile High Extractions, 20% off CBD gummies, all kinds of great stuff. They also got sales for Memorial Day. Buy three, get one free, the entire store. Mother's Day as well. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head over to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. Just purchase from there. And again, use that code DNVR20 to save 20% on your entire purchase. All right, before we transition into the coolest offensive college football player discussion and then go over some, some brief CSU news on the softball and track side, it's time to give you guys my DraftKings pick of the week. And I'm going with the Colorado Avalanche. They play the Los Angeles Kings tonight, a chance to clinch the President's Cup, the number one overall seed. They've already got home ice. It's just been so exciting. I mean, they won 6-0 last night, absolutely beat the hell out of them. I think they get it done. This team is playing some of the best hockey I've ever seen. So lock it in. My DraftKings pick of the week is going to be the Colorado Avalanche money line parlayed with the over five and a half goals. I feel like the Kings are going to come out with a little more intensity, maybe put one or two passes, especially if Grubauer doesn't play. But this Avs offense is just too much. Lock it in. My DraftKings pick of the week. All right. All right. All right. Let's talk college football and some of the coolest players of all time. Now, there's an awesome article on SB Nation, which actually talks about like who are the most college football, college football players of all time. And they call it the BVP, well worth your read. I'll share that link out on Twitter so that people can easily find it. When I, when I think about college football and some of the coolest players in my lifetime, it's not necessarily the guys that put up the biggest numbers, although that you know obviously helps their cause, but it's more just the players that were exciting, the players that you felt like you had to watch them. And obviously this is all subjective and it's just for fun, but you know, starting with quarterback, a couple that come to mind, Obviously, Bradley Van Pelt. I mean, the the just in probably most infamous player in program history. Definitely one of the swaggiest. I don't even know if that's an actual term, but y'all know what I mean. Just that dude played with his heart on his sleeve. Like first player ever to pass for three thousand yards and rush for a thousand yards in a season. Was he the type of quarterback that was going to stand in the pocket and meticulously pick you apart? No. But he just found a way to win. He wanted to represent the university. It meant a lot to him. I mean, you, you have to put BVP in this conversation, especially considering it's a CSU podcast. Uh, beyond that, you know, Colt Brennan, obviously. I, I talked about it already, but much of the characteristics that I loved about Bradley Van Pelt, you could also apply to Colt Brennan, um, but that dude was lethal in the pocket. A true gunslinger in every sense of the term. And uh, like I said, rest in peace. The other one, um, I was going to go with Tebow, but Tebow wasn't cool. Like, he was fun to watch, but I think I got to go with Vince Young. Like, Vince Young had the had the attitude, he just running around there, picking apart. I mean, that Rose Bowl performance is stuff of legends. Like, just one of the, the most significant college football players in my lifetime. I think you have to include him in that conversation. And, uh, you know, off of Vince Young going to running back, you obviously have to talk about Reggie Bush. Like, I'm not sure there's ever been a more electric college football player than Reggie Bush. Like, 
go back and watch some of those highlights against Fresno State or just some of the insane things he did in the open field. Like that dude sometimes went out of his way to to like square up with the defender just so that he could make that defender miss him and embarrass him. Like Reggie Bush took so much satisfaction and just embarrassing defenses. Like there were times I think he probably made the play a little bit harder than he needed to, but it always worked because he was that much better than his opponents. And God, he was good, man. Another, you know, another guy that I think about is, is Adrian Peterson at Oklahoma. Like obviously broke his collarbone doing a front flip into the end zone. So that was kind of dumb, but I mean, he was basically unstoppable at OU. It was like watching, the varsity running back going against a bunch of eighth graders. He was just a freak out there. Like, I'm not even an OU guy, and I had to watch him all the time because he was just that damn good. If we're talking CSU running backs, it's a little bit hard. Um, I'm, for the most part, going to do people from my childhood, but I think it's got to go to Garshall Johnson. Like, no, he wasn't the fastest running back, but he was just so cool out there, rocking the, crocked, the, the crop top, abs showing. Dreads flowing in the wind as he runs through defenders. That Fresno State Bowl game, obviously, just incredible. The uh, the New Mexico Bowl in 2008. Just a beast, man. Uh, other couple guys, I mean, like, you could put Capri Bibbs in that conversation. Capri Bibbs played with a lot of swagger. Dalen Dawkins played with a lot of swagger. But that was, you know, more when I was working for the team or covering the team. And I'm, for the most part, going to keep it, you know, in, in tune with my childhood. Wide receiver was a little bit tougher one for me. Richard Higgins, man. You got to go with Hollywood Higgins. That's technically when I was interning for the team. But, I mean, Richard Higgins just made it fun out there. Like, you could genuinely tell that, that that guy loved playing college football. And I think that that's what makes it so much fun. You know, BVP, you could tell he loved the game. Reggie Bush, Vince Young, all these guys, they just, they gave it everything they had every single down. And, I think that applies to a lot of the really talented wide receivers that have come through the program. Michael Gallup, Ola B.C. Johnson, even Preston Williams. But in terms of doing it and doing it with a little bit of flair, it's got to be Hollywood Higgins. I mean, the sunglasses, the nickname, the red carpet strut. That dude is, is everything that you want a college football player. Going back to my childhood, it's a little bit tougher. But, you know, I obviously was a big David Anderson fan if we want to go on the CSU side. But on a national level, I'm, I'm thinking Ted Ginn Jr. of Ohio State and Tavon Austin of West Virginia, who is kind of like a running back wide receiver hybrid. But those dudes were just electric, the kind of dudes that were unstoppable in the open field, so dangerous in the return game, also dangerous in like screen game. Th- those Ohio State teams with Ted Ginn were were pretty insane. Um, and then, you know, Tavon Austin, again, up there with in the conversation for like most exciting college football players of my lifetime. That dude was unreal. And those West Virginia teams with him and Pat White were just must watch. I mean, I I did a whole podcast once dedicated to the absurdity that was the 2007 college football season. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the podcast or there's plenty of YouTube videos that just emphasize the absurdity. Like it was a situation where teams in the top five just kept losing every single week. Like South Florida got up to number two in the country at one point because there was just so much insanity. But those uh, those West Virginia teams were something else, and Tavon Austin was definitely a big part of that. Tight end, I kept it simple. Um, I, you know, you could put Joel Dreesen out there. There have been a lot of really cool tight ends in the modern game. 
in the old days, not quite so much, but I think I think it's got to be Corey Sperry. Just an absolute beast out there. I mean, some of those catches that he made were were insanely contested, but you just threw it up and, and let him go get it. That Ant- Antonio Gates-style tight end. I mean, I just remember him like, taking the helmet off. He'd always wear the black bandana under his helmet with a bunch of eye black on his face. He was just an imposing figure, man. Like, a true badass, I... I loved watching Corey Sperry out there. One of my one of my favorite CSU players of all time, for sure. Anyways, that's those are some of the, the names that come to mind. I'm not going to go on for too long. Like I could just name cool players for, for minutes on end. But if you have any that, that you think I should have thrown out there or you just want to tell me who your favorite players are, tweet at me at DNVR underscore Rams or at Justin T. Michael. Always down for the interaction. I just love talking college football. I know that a lot of you guys do too, but uh, those are some of my favorite college football players from my lifetime on the offensive side, guys that just really embody the spirit of what college football is all about. All right, that's all I have for today, but I do want to shout out CSU Track and Field. They will be competing this week throughout the weekend. It's the Mountain West Outdoor Championships. In 2019, the men and women won, so they have a chance. Um, The men have actually won the last three The women have four in total, so really, really talented programs, an opportunity for them to go out and do their thing. I mean, it was super unfortunate last year that due to COVID-19, they weren't able to. It was kind of up in the air for a long time, and they kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath them. Go make us proud, man. Go Rams. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the...